Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, praise your name for your glory and your majesty and your beauty. Praise your name for all the ways in which you've blessed us and and provided for us. Father, thank you for the beauty we find in your creation, the beauty we find in the eclipse, Father, and, and all the things that you do on a regular basis. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to worship, to praise your name. I pray, Lord, as we open the truth of your word now, we would continue in in a sense of awe because of who you are and what you've done and what you've accomplished. Give us the ability to understand and and apply. And Father, as we pray every Sunday morning, Lord, I pray that we would be transformed more and more through this study, through our worship, into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his amazing, beautiful, powerful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We are continuing our study this morning through the book of Acts, a sermon series that we've entitled From Ordinary to Extraordinary. We're walking through this book and we're talking about the incredible works of the Lord. We've entitled it Ordinary to Extraordinary because I think we're going to see throughout, we've already seen it a couple of times, we're going to continue to see this idea, this sense that the Lord is going to take very ordinary people and do extraordinary things with them. We've already seen the early church. Last week we learned that they were kind of in hiding. The Lord had called them to wait. They went back into the upper room. There are about 120 people that are waiting on the Lord. They're afraid. They're uncertain of what their future may hold. God takes this ordinary group of about 120 believers and through the power of the Spirit turns them into, now think about this, centuries later, a movement that has affected and still affects billions of people worldwide. That's unbelievable. From a group of ordinary people doing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what we said we want to do during this series is try to figure out how the Lord can use me and you, ordinary people, to accomplish extraordinary things. What extraordinary thing does the Lord want to do for you? Now if you're looking in your Bibles and the title of the book is up, it probably says the Acts of the Apostles. That's what most people have kind of named it over the centuries. I would agree with that, but I would tend to say to you, I think we probably ought to add in there something like this, the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles because it's the Spirit that drives, it's the Spirit that empowers, it's the Spirit that gives us the ability to go from ordinary to extraordinary. John Stott, one of my favorite authors, and I'm reading through his commentary as I'm preaching through the book of Acts, said this, he said, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ likeness of character apart from his fruit, no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, 
so the church without the Spirit is dead. And so we've seen the Spirit at work already. We've seen the, the Spirit promise. We've seen what the Lord is going to do. This morning we come to Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 where the Spirit is going to be given. And so we're going to take a look together this morning beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screens. You can read along with it as well in your Bible. Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now let's just be reminded, the believers are in an upper room. They've been sent there after Christ ascends in Acts 1-9. They go back to the upper room. They're together. They're praying. They're unified. They're waiting together, verse 2. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So let's stop there for a second. Let's make a point and then let's think back through it together. Here's the first thing we see, kind of just a general understanding of these first few verses. Truth number one, the promised Holy Spirit is going to now fall upon believers. The promised Holy Spirit is now in verses 2 through 4 going to fall upon these believers. Now we see in verse 1 that the day of Pentecost arrives. Now Pentecost basically means 50 50 days since the Passover until this moment. It's also in the Old Testament for the Jewish people a very specific feast they would have. There were all sorts of things they would do to commemorate the Lord and to remember the Lord. The Passover is one of the big ones. Uh, The Feast of Weeks is another one. The Feast of Harvest, different things they would do to commemorate the Lord and all He had done. So for these people, this was a very specific holiday, a very specific feast, a very specific moment they could remember the things of the Lord. For them, it was a remembrance. For us now, because of what happens in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost becomes the day that the Holy Spirit falls upon the believers. Now I want you to notice something important in verse 2. Pull that up if you would for me, please. I want you to notice what happens in verse 2. Just a a side note here, by the way. I I think this is fascinating. Remember, the the, the believers, the people that followed Christ, they've now gone back into the upper room. They've been waiting for a period of time. They've been praying in unity together. I I think just an important note for us or an important thing for us to understand is when as believers we gather and pray in unity, waiting on the Lord with the expectant hearts, great things always happen. Did you know that? Great things always happen. In this instance, look what happens in verse 2. Suddenly, so they've been waiting for a while. They've been sitting around for at least 10 days now. They've been praying. They've been hoping. They've been looking. Suddenly, they came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, this is sudden for them. This is important. It's something that, that falls upon them, that happens all of a sudden. But I want to kind of make this point biblically that the Holy Spirit didn't just appear in Pentecost. But I want, I want to make sure we don't misunderstand what's happening here in Scripture. Right? Sometimes I think we see Acts 2 as this idea of the Holy Spirit fall upon, falling upon these believers as if this is the first time the Holy Spirit has ever appeared or the first time the Holy Spirit has ever worked. That's not true. So to, so to better kind of understand this, we're going to take kind of a trip back through some Old Testament passages. Now I've got them ready for you on the screen. You certainly can look at them if you want to in your own Bibles. But I just want you to kind of follow along, follow what we're saying, and we're 
we're going to get just a, a kind of a, a very quick glimpse, a very quick understanding of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, because that's going to really help us understand Acts 2 and what's happening in the New Testament. So the very first place I want to look is Genesis chapter 1. I think we have it on the screen. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. You'll be familiar with this passage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the, what is that? Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Did you, did you know the Spirit of God was present and active and involved in the creation of the world? Did you know that? Like, so from the beginning, right, we're going to get here in just a few minutes, we would say the Holy Spirit is eternal, always has been, always will be. From the beginning, the Holy Spirit has been involved, right? So from the very first verses we read in the book of Genesis, the very beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit is present. Now here's what the Holy Spirit does in the Old Testament. This is important for us to understand. The Holy Spirit isn't given as a blanket to all believers in the Old Testament. That happens in Acts chapter 2. What does happen is that the Holy Spirit is going to fall upon individual believers for very specific things. So we see examples like Judges chapter 14 verse 6. Samson, you may remember the story of Samson, right? The strong guy. He does some pretty neat things. Listen to what happens to him in Judges 14 6. The Spirit of the Lord, you see that? rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So you think about Samson, you think about the strength of Samson, you think about how the Lord used Samson. The Lord was able to do that through Samson. Why? Because the Spirit led him. The Spirit guided him. The Spirit directed him. First Samuel Chapter 16, verse 13, Samuel has gone to anoint King David. The scripture tells us Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the what? Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. From that day forward, Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Right, so David leads the people of Israel. David does great work, not in his own ability, not in his own power, but through the power of the what? Spirit. So, so we see, you know, there's lots of other instances, I don't have time this morning to go into all of them, but what we see is that the Spirit is given all through the Old Testament to accomplish very specific purposes, very specific things. Now here's the interesting thing that we'll see if you begin to think about the Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Oftentimes when the Spirit is given, it leads people to do some pretty extraordinary things. When the Spirit is given, it leads people oftentimes to a place of boldness, to a place of courage, to accomplish things they wouldn't normally accomplish otherwise. Now, file that away for just a minute, that idea of boldness and accomplishing great things. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes when we get back into Acts 2. Now, we think about the Old Testament. We think about the idea of the Holy Spirit. We think about how the Spirit falls upon individual people in the Old Testament to accomplish specific things. But here's the interesting thing. Here's where we're going to tie to Acts 2. I want to make this connection for you here. The Spirit in the Old Testament is usually seen kind of in two different ways. When the Old Testament describes the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is described either as fire or as wind. So just a few examples. I don't want to spend a lot of time, but I want to give you a few examples. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. Moses has been wandering around in the wilderness. The Lord grabs his attention, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a what? 
Flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold the bush was burning yet it was not consumed. Right When the Lord wanted to get the, the attention of Moses after Moses had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years he appears as fire in a bush. A fire that burns but does not consume the bush. Exodus chapter 19 verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended, here it is again, in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Right, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38 39. I don't think I, I do have that one on the screen. Uh, Elijah goes up on the top of Mount Carmel. You remember the story? I'll just remind you. He's kind of in this, this competition with the prophets of Baal to see who the real God is. So, so they build this altar with wood and, and the bulls and the prophets of Baal call upon their God and nothing happens and Elijah kind of laughs at him, makes fun of him. Then he says, listen, fill all these water pots with, with water, dump it on top of the offering so it's just coated and it's soaking and the wood is wet and the bull is wet. And then he gets up and he prays and in verse 38, the what? Fire of the Lord fell upon and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So we see all these instances, and these are just a few, all these instances in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit falling upon people, being described oftentimes as fire, but we also see the Holy Spirit being described in various different places as wind. So for example, we're, we're, I want you to stay with me. I'm going to make a connection here for you in just a second. 1 Kings 19 verse 11. And so he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong what wind tore the mountain and broke it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 15, For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. You, you may remember Ezekiel chapter 37, when, when the valley is filled with the skeletons and, and the dry bones and the Lord descends upon the valley. And do you remember what he does with those bones? He breathes into them the breath of the Spirit, right? He blows the Spirit upon them and they are alive and they get up, right? Why? Because of the power of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, the breath of the Lord, right? So, so this understanding of the Spirit, right? We've seen now, the Spirit isn't new. It's been around since the beginning. The Spirit is placed on individual people to accomplish very specific things. Oftentimes the Spirit is viewed as fire or as wind. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Pull verse 2 up if you would for me please. And let's see how the Holy Spirit is described in verse 2 of Acts chapter 2. And suddenly <clears throat> there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing what? Wind. There it is. We've seen that before. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, verse 3, and divided tongues of what? Fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? Here, here's what we begin to see. Here's what we begin to understand. When, when the Holy Spirit falls upon these people, it affects what they see, it affects what they hear, it affects what they say. Let me say that again, just to make sure you're paying attention. When the Holy Spirit falls upon these people, it affects what they see, it affects what they hear, it affects what they say. 
Now, just to kind of clue you in to help you understand where I'm going with this, Ephesians 5.18 says this, Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Right, you may remember in this account, and we'll get to it a little bit later, that when these people came out of the upper room, they were described by the people watching them as a group of people that were drunk. Do you remember that? Right, the believers are filled with the Spirit. They walk out into the street and all these people say, well, why have you guys been drinking? I mean, it's early in the morning. You're drunk. Why are you, why, why are you acting this way? Right? You're, you're sight. You've seen things. You've heard things. You're saying strange things. Let's just be clear. Let's apply this to our lives. The Holy Spirit should affect everything about who we are. Now, I want to be careful in a Baptist church. Okay? But you ought to be drunk in the Spirit. Did you know that? People ought to look at you when the Spirit is working in your heart and say, you know, that guy speaks differently, he acts differently, he thinks differently, he responds differently. Why? Because the Spirit is leading us. We we think about what alcohol does to a person and how they respond. When, When you're drunk on alcohol, you act differently, don't you? When you're drunk in the Spirit, you should act differently. When you're drunk with alcohol, you speak differently, don't you? You ought to speak differently when you're drunk with the Spirit. When you're you're drunk with alcohol, you respond differently. When you're drunk with the Spirit, you should respond differently. We've been given, and I want to make this real clear to you, we've been given this power, right? So the same Spirit that hovered over the face of the deep has been given to you. The same spirit that, that, that went into David, the same spirit that was blown into the dry bones, the, the same spirit that led Samson, the same spirit that we see over and over and over through the Old Testament, over and over through the New Testament, doing incredible things. This same spirit is upon you as a believer in Jesus Christ. You've got this incredible power to live differently, to think differently, to act differently. And yet far too many Christians are afraid and timid and unaware of what Christ has called them to do I don't know why or how or necessarily how to even fix it but I'm just telling you there's a disconnect somewhere in the modern church there's a disconnect somewhere I mean in the Southern Baptist Convention alone about this is an estimate about 800 churches a year shut their doors did you know that about 800 churches a year can't pay the light bill, so they shut the doors and they just kind of disperse. Why is that? Because we've, we've failed to understand the power we've been given. We, we've failed to allow ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit, our actions and our thoughts and our words and all the things, all controlled by the Spirit. But when there's a disconnect and when there's a a removal of the Spirit or we're not living in the Spirit or or trusting the Spirit, the modern church just becomes kind of this social club. We just enjoy getting together and we like coffee and we want to go to a small group and have a good discussion and that's a lot of fun for us. But if the Spirit is not invading and leading and giving us boldness and causing us to live differently and act differently and think differently and speak differently, see things in a different perspective, if the Spirit's not doing that, then we're not accomplishing the will of Christ for us. And I just don't think we please the Lord when we do that. And so we we see the Spirit invade these people. Now let's see what happens in verse 5. Let's continue. Verse 5, Acts 2. 
Now, so right, the Spirit falls upon the believers. They're in the upper room. At some point, they're going to come down out of the room. Verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. Right? So in some sense, these other people heard this sound. So there's this sound, they come together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Verse 7, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own language? Let's stop just for a second. Right? So we've seen the Holy Spirit fall upon the believers. We've seen now their speech is affected. Now their sight is affected. Their hearing is affected. When the Holy Spirit falls upon them, here's the second truth in the other side. This is very, very important for our lives today. Number two, when the Holy Spirit arrives... Other people are affected. We think the Holy Spirit's just for us, and the Holy Spirit is for us as believers, and we're called to live in the Spirit and be drunk in the Spirit. I get that, and that's all true and biblical. But what we sometimes miss is that when the Spirit arrives in our lives, it ought to affect the people around us. I love the way these people... Now, these are just, just non-believers now that are observing. This is just the crowd out in the street... This multitude that's gathered because they heard this wind. They see these people coming out of the upper room. They're acting strange. They're kind of standing in the street. All these unbelievers describe the Christians. Now listen to the words used in verses 6 and 7. Bewildered, amazed, astonished. When's the last time the unbelieving world looked at the modern church and was amazed at what we're accomplishing? Been a while, hadn't it? When's the last time the unbeliever looked in your life and was bewildered by how you're living? When's the last time people looked at the modern church and the modern believer and are astounded by all the things the Lord's doing through us? Probably not in a long time. They look at the church oftentimes, the world, and they kind of laugh, right? Just a group of silly people. They don't have any other sense. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're deceived. They're just they're weak-minded. We hear all those sorts of things. Right? Why? Because we're not understanding the power of the Spirit. We're not living in the power of the Spirit. I mean, we should be amazing the world at what we're accomplishing. People should be talking about, man, can you believe what the church is doing? Can you believe what these believers are accomplishing? Can you, can you believe all that's happened through them? And so I want, I want to spend a few minutes and I want to kind of answer this question. What's so amazing about the Holy Spirit? What's so bewildering and astonishing about the Spirit? And so I want to take just a few minutes and I want to give you some biblical truth about the Spirit. I don't want to miss this opportunity to teach a little bit and to understand kind of exactly who the Spirit is because I think sometimes there's confusion and misunderstanding. So let's just give kind of a real big picture truth, first of all, about the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want you to kind of understand is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Right? It's not as if we've got God the Father, God the Son, and then the Spirit. It's kind of this thing out here that we sometimes talk about, not really important. The, the, the Holy Spirit, we say the Trinity is one God, three distinct persons, right? So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So all of the attributes of God, the Holy Spirit has. 
Right, so when you think about the attributes of God and what God can do, the Holy Spirit has those attributes. And I want to give you several things. I've got them on the screen. I've, I've got to go through them kind of rapidly, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each. But here's how the Bible describes the Holy Spirit, right? So you ought to be, as you're walking through this list, asking yourself, am, am I allowing or seeking maybe the Spirit to do these things in my life? Because when I, now this is important, when I allow the Spirit to do these things in my life, it's going to affect other people people. Like people around me are going to notice that things are different. So I've got a list. Here's the first thing. The Holy Spirit convicts us. I think we have these on the screen. The Holy Spirit convicts us. John chapter 16 verse 8. When he comes he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Right? We, we, we think about some people kind of fall into this trap and I have this conversation sometimes with people where they kind of take the big sins and if they're not involved in the big things, they think everything's okay. I've had people say to me something like this. Well, I don't, you know, I don't smoke, drink, cuss, right? That's kind of the three. That's the Southern Baptist. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't smoke, drink, cuss. I'm good, right? We've heard that before. Praise the Lord for those things. That's good. But I would say to you that the, the, the deeper we walk in our understanding of Christ, the more the Spirit convicts us of the small things. It's good you don't do those things, but what about your attitude at work with your boss tomorrow morning? Is the Spirit convicting you about that? What about your thought life? Is the Spirit convicting you about that? How about how you treat your spouse or your children? Is the Spirit convicting you about that? Because sometimes we just draw the line with the big obvious sins and we don't do those things so we're all good. The Spirit ought to convict us of all the sin in our life, not just the big things. So, so the Spirit c convicts us. The second thing, the, the Spirit raised Christ from the dead. I love this one. Because it just reminds me of the power of Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Like the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within me. Listen, folks, if He can raise Christ from the dead, don't you think He can fix your marriage? I mean, if He can raise Christ from the dead, can't He work on that situation at work you've been praying about? Yeah. If He can raise Christ from the dead, don't, don't you think He can reach that person that's lost? The answer is absolutely we, we don't have to retreat back into this cave where we're afraid and, and uncertain and timid. We, we need to be bold and say, listen, the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within me. And because He lives with me, this is the next one, He regenerates and renews me. We see that in Titus. I don't have time to read all these. Let me, let me just keep going because I want, I want to get through these. The Holy Spirit teaches us. John chapter 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Are you, are you allowing the Spirit to teach you? To lead you? Right? He comforts. We're going to skip one. He comforts us. John chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper or the Comforter will come. But if I go, I will send Him to you. He guides us in truth. That's the next one. John chapter 16. Again, I don't have time for all these. He empowers us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And on and on this list goes. Right? We, we, we've got within us this spirit guiding us, teaching us, convicting us, leading us, directing us. And so here's what some of you are saying. And I, I want to get to this. I want to make sure I answer this question. Some of you are saying, okay, great. I get it, right? So the Holy Spirit has been around from the beginning. 
The Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit was present in creation. The Holy Spirit has invaded the hearts of people all through the Old Testament to give them boldness and courage and strength to accomplish great things. The Holy Spirit fell upon the believers at Pentecost. All these things are good. I want the Spirit to guide me and to lead me and to convict me and to teach me all the things we've learned. I get it. I'm with you, Adam. But how do I receive this Spirit? I mean, if you're telling me that the, the, the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to me, how do I get it? Well, let's be very clear. I want to just be very clear and, and make sure you're understanding and comprehending this. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have received the Spirit. Okay, if you are a believer, if you've prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have received the Spirit. There are all sorts of verses go into and read about the Spirit given to believers and coming upon believers. And so we, we kind of, we can make that case pretty clearly biblical, biblically that if you are a believer, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Spirit indwells in you. Here's the problem though, and here's why I want to make the distinction and make sure you understand. Far too many of us are not kind of tapping into that power. Right, so in modern terms, you know, the little status bar, the little battery bar on your computer, right? It should be at 100% for the Spirit. Many of us are down at 2 or 3%. So how do, how do I receive this power? If the Spirit is living within me, how do I receive this power? Now, this is where the debate begins, and this is not a sermon about this, and I can talk to you individually. Some people would talk about the baptism of the Spirit or filled with the Spirit or use different words, and I don't want to talk necessarily about that. I'm happy to speak to you individually. I would say to you, however, that we receive the Spirit when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And there are moments in our lives where we can be filled with the Spirit to accomplish His purposes. I think there are times that we live in the Spirit and find boldness and courage. I think there are times that we don't live in the Spirit and we don't find boldness and courage. Now, here's how I would explain to you how this happens. I think this is really important for us to understand. How do we allow the Spirit to use us? How can we be filled with the Spirit, which is the word we see oftentimes in Scripture? I'm going to give you two other verses I want you to kind of understand as we think about being filled and allow the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to use us. They're both in Acts. Acts chapter 6, verse 5, when they chose the original, the original deacons, they chose a man named Stephen. And the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 6 verse 5 that when they had said that, or excuse me, what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen, this is important, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So Stephen is a man, they, they chose him because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit because he was a man full of faith. Acts chapter 11 verse 24, speaking of Barnabas. For he was a good man, full of the Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So I would say to you, there are other examples in Scripture, that as your faith grows in the Lord, as you trust the Lord, you begin to allow the Spirit to use you more and more and more. As you're filled with faith, you're filled with the Spirit. As you trust Christ more, you trust the leading of the Spirit more. So if you want to be filled and allow the Spirit to use you and allow the Spirit to accomplish extraordinary things through you, the simple answer is to deepen your faith in Christ. Deepen your walk with Christ. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in Bible study. Trusting Him. Asking Him to lead. Asking Him to guide. Pull that second point back up. Because as we allow the Spirit to lead us, as we allow the Spirit to, to work in us, want to pull point number two back. There we go. When we allow the Spirit to do these things, other people are affected around us. 
Right, so just, just kind of one measure. If, if nobody around you is affected by the way you live your life for Christ, maybe you need to re-examine your life for Christ. If nobody at work knows you're a believer, maybe you need to re-examine your life for Christ. If you're afraid to talk about the things of the Lord around your family or your kids or your spouse, maybe you need to re-examine your walk with Christ. Because the more we deepen our walk, the more we deepen our faith, the, the more the Spirit's going to use us. Now, I need to finish this one. Look at verse 9. We're going we're to continue. So we're going to have a long list now of where these people were from. Partesians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome. Right, there's this long list of where these people have come from. Both Jews and proselytes, Cratians and Arabians. We hear them, this is important, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked, said, saying, they are filled with new wine. Now, here's truth number three, right? We've seen the Spirit fall upon these believers. We've seen that this Spirit now affects other people. Incredible things are happening because of the faith of these believers. Truth number three, the Spirit now overcomes all barriers, the Spirit is going to overcome all barriers. Now, I'll draw your attention to a very important distinction here because when you begin to talk about tongues and speaking in tongues, there's discussion and there's debate and, and, and there's lots of other verses that speak about tongues. But this particular case, we're in Acts 2, in this particular case, the tongues are actual languages from other places. So these people that are from all these different areas are hearing these men and women speak in the languages that the other people can understand. And, and so kind of we don't understand verses 9 through 11. Like we don't know where those places are in modern terms. So let me give you kind of the modern day locations where these people are from. Iran, other parts of the Middle East, Syria, Israel, Turkey, Egypt, Libya, up to Rome, down into parts of Arabia. The Spirit... Speaking through these believers allows them to speak in a different tongue so these other people can hear it and be amazed and perplexed and affected by the power of the Spirit. Now, I don't, I don't have time this morning, but it's a fascinating discussion to kind of think about what's taking place. It's kind of a, a reversal of the Tower of Babel. So the people come together in the Tower of Babel and they want to do their own thing and so the Lord confuses their language and separates them. They go their own way. When the Holy Spirit falls, He allows them to understand one language together. He allows them to come together in unity. Why? All for the purpose of reaching the world for Christ. Remember, it's the Acts 1-8 model, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we see that kind of this beautiful picture here from Acts 1-8 down now through Acts chapter 2. These barriers of reaching people have been broken down. The barrier of language has been broken down. The barrier of different nations has been broken down. The barrier of different races has been broken down. Did you know that? All through the power of the Spirit. I mean, you may or may not know this. I hope you know it. But when you get to heaven... Every tribe and every language and every nation and every tongue and every color of skin, they're all going to be there. We're all going to be represented in heaven. Why? Because the Spirit has broken down these barriers. The Spirit has empowered us to reach the world for Him. 
So I, I just want to leave you, I want to just leave with this and encourage you with this idea. Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Allow it to teach you and to guide you and to lead you. Trust in the Lord more and more. Allow Him to take through the power of His Spirit a very ordinary person and accomplish extraordinary things for the sake of His kingdom. That's what the Lord wants to do through you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the clear teaching of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, Father. Help us to not only understand this teaching, but help us to apply it to our lives. Father, help us to deepen our faith, deepen our walk, to be filled with the Spirit. Give us the power, Father, the courage, the boldness to think differently, to act differently, to look differently, to speak differently. I pray, Father, that as the Spirit works through us, it would affect the people around us. It would allow us to break down barriers, Father, of reaching more and more people with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, use us strengthen us, allow the Spirit to empower us to do great things for your kingdom's sake and then we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar's open. Opportunity for you to pray, to speak to me. You respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.